Hello, this is Mary. And this is Chandler. And you're listening to The Miss Fisher Files. Welcome back. Today we are talking season three, episode four, Blood and Money. Yeah. And much as I am excited to be in season three, because I really do love this season, this is not one of my top episodes. I think this would be the blah and meh episode, (laughs) (laughs) because I have hardly any notes here, and I, I didn't find anything to research either. There was nothing that sparked my like, ooh, let's look into the history of bloody blah, because it just... Yeah. We I had know. skin grafting. Yeah. And urchins in brown. Brown town. Is the very brown town. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I got to say, unless we want to go all, you know, Oliver musical here, like I just, boy urchins out on the street is not really my... Hmm. passion project so yeah I mean it was an interesting angle that we haven't seen much of we've seen once in a while an urchin will come to her door and be somewhat involved the occasional urchin yes the occasional (laughs) wandering urchin but this time she actually goes to Collingwood and I guess one of the interesting parts is watching her sort of confront her roots yeah we see some some bits I love the bit where she talks about the you know her first theft yeah. The first thing she ever stole, and she gets to keep it. I'm a little confused as to, is that the actual object that comes back later? I was wondering about that, too. How could it be? Right? I mean... Right. And I don't... Or maybe how descriptive he, is she when she tells them about it? She said it was a brooch with a bird, right? Yeah. Did she say it was a swallow? Maybe. Okay. Well, whether it was the original one or it was a replacement, I do love... The little bird that he pins on her. I do too. I, I, that is a highlight. I melted. Yep. That's one of two highlights in this episode. He's downright me. handsy in this He's episode. He's real handsy. <laughs> it's true. And uh, yeah. And I, I don't I, mind. Is no, that bad? Not at all. I mean, you're in good company here. He's real handsy. I definitely like it. And it's uh, kind of the only thing this episode's got going for it. Yeah. I do like the thing with Hugh, although they kind of just, it's weird that they carry it over. I forgot that they carried it over into the next one because they just kind of leave that unresolved and Hugh is still kind of messed up. And Right. So, yeah, that plot line gets moved along where he gets thrown out of the house because he's going to convert to Catholicism in order to marry Dot. And it sounds like he already has converted. Yeah. But yeah well, he says, because I converted. But I don't... Well, there was when he's meeting with Father O'Leary... But he hasn't been baptized yet. It ain't Easter. He hasn't? How do we know this? Oh, I don't. I guess we don't. Okay. I guess I... This is the thing, because because I am, like, so... Because I ration this season, because that's all there is, I've only seen these, I've only seen these like, once. So... <laughs> that's amazing to I, me. I know. These, I think these I say this ones. every time. Yeah. So, so there's a whole bunch of little details that okay. I've forgotten. So in the previous episode, Mozzarella... Right. He's, he's meeting with the father. Yeah. And yeah. I think we are supposed to know that he has, is converting or right. in the process right. of. Um, but yeah, the Hugh, the Hugh storyline is interesting partly because they are working in the storyline to get him off screen because... Mm. So he's, I think, is he even in the next episode? I don't remember, to be perfectly honest. Okay. Well, I mean, it becomes a thing. I don't think he is. Because then uh, Constable Martin comes in and to anyway, right? But because he's off shooting um, oh. San Andreas with The Rock, did you ever see that? No, <laughs> I, I kind of love it. I love it a lot. It's like I love um, well natural I, I destruction a, movies. I also have a, I have a soft spot for Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, I know, I right? Mean, I, yeah. It kind of makes me feel basic. But I really he's, like him. He's adorable. He's adorable. I, I like him. I've a lot. heard some slightly problematic, like sexist things. I think, mm-hmm. but I, not like Harvey Weinstein level. But well, that's good. But I mean, come on, the guy's in Moana. He's adorable. I know. He can sing. Yeah, I mean, passably. <laughs> <laughs> I think he does a respectable he, job. He does a very resp- He's better than. Uh, See, I'm, I'm doing the thing that I do while we record. You know, the guy who was in the thing. The guy who's in the thing who can't with sing. With the guy. Mamma Mia. Oh, Pierce Brosnan, yeah. who sounds he's, like he's pooping. 
We're on the happy days. Oh, it's the worst. The worst. Bless him. I love Pierce Brosnan, but he gets two numbers in that movie and he sounds like he's doing number two. Oh, <laughs> uh, I hadn't imagined that, but now I'm not going You'll to be You'll never unhear yeah. it. I'm I'll sorry. I've ruined it. That. I still in the second love movie. the movie and I love that he's in it. I love that he fully participates. Yes. You know, despite Did you his... see the second one that came out this oh, yeah. year? It was awesome. It I was. sat there weeping the whole time yeah. at the end, but they only let him sing like two bars <laughs> because I think they got feedback. They were like, no, no, no. I think, I think yes. We I love think. this man. Don't let him sing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Want to keep looking at him? Please don't let him sing. Dwayne Johnson is many steps above yes, that. Yes. Many, many steps. Yeah. So, okay. He is many steps. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Such a good soundtrack. Um, yeah. I love The Rock. And so Hugh is in... Hugo Johnson Burt is in that movie. What? And I don't know anything. I mean, have you you haven't seen it? No, but I'm guessing if it's called Andreas, I'm guessing there's something about earthquakes oh, yeah. and fault lines massive and massive earthquake. I yeah. love why do I love natural disaster you know, movies? I'm so why? I'm married to a former geologist who also mm. loves really bad like disaster like okay. ridiculous geologic yeah. disaster movies like like all the volcanoes on the planet are going off at once. And the only solution is we have to deploy nukes into right. the Marianas Trench because yes, that's a thing. Obviously. Yeah. That's how you handle I mean, that. That's, yeah. So yeah. we have had movie nights with geology departments where everybody's oh, laughing their heads off. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. That would be really fun. I would love to be there. I would love to be a fly on the wall during those movie nights. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. I just love them. I love natural. I love the movies. day after tomorrow where they're yes. like clutching the Gutenberg Bible. Yeah. You can't use this for firewood. I mean, God. Wasn't there like a made-for-TV one about Seattle, the earthquake in Seattle? And there's... Probably. I just remember the guy riding the bike downhill and the point of the space needle is about to like... That's hysterical. skewer him. Do you remember this? This was maybe uh, three, four, five years ago. Okay, I need to find what that was. I don't have a TV, so I I can't watch anything that's like currently on. Was that a made-for-TV? I don't know. I it need to sounds find like it. a made-for-TV. Because for the TV. image of this guy riding by a bike and about to be skewered by the Space Needle is... I mean, I'm sorry. And that's that. such a Seattle thing. Of course oh, he's yeah. on a bike. Right. Of course he's not in a car. <laughs> of course he's on a bike. Yes, of course he is. <laughs> yeah, it was a really great image. You could... I, I'm, my guess is, like, somebody thought of that image and then they constructed the movie around that. That's like, hysterical. How can we make this happen? Oh, I know, Earthquake. And then... Yeah. That's hysterical. Okay, so back to the show. What show are we watching yeah. here? So um, anyway, they're setting you up to be gone by making him just lose it. He's like flaming out here because he doesn't get the promotion at work because of nepotism. And he's There's a lot of pressure out. on there, poor Hugh. There is a lot of pressure. I have to tell you, I don't like his behavior. He's at all. He's like treating Dot like crap. Yes, I find it very problematic. And she's trying to be really supportive of him and saying, I support you, whatever you... And, and she's totally in the dark, so she's trying to be supportive of him when she has absolutely no idea what is going on. And he bites her head off yeah. at every turn. It's not I, cool. No, it's not cool, and it really it makes me worry about the foundation of their relationship. I mean, he doesn't trust her with this information. I think right. he's trying to... It's basically toxic masculinity again. Totally. And falling into the whole, I have to be the provider yes. thing. Which I am sympathetic because at, at the time, there would have been even more pressure on him to be the provider. Right. And Dot seems okay with it because he says, I'm the breadwinner. I need to do this. And she just sort of smiles complacently. So yeah, I guess on that front, they are aligned. But he doesn't tell her what he's doing. He doesn't... Um, he just doesn't trust her. Well, and he gets upset when... She says, but we'll never be able to afford our own place if we have to rent. But she probably wouldn't have said that if she knew what the hell was going on. Right. If she knew that buying their own place is not in the cards right now until they get on their feet and they figure out what... Like, they're what? 23? I mean, they've got time. Right. And 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 I would guess knowing her, she would come around on that or at least be able to table that discussion. But you can't table anything if you have no idea what's going on. Well, and he's not asking for her help. 
Right. Like he's trying to tackle the entire thing on his own. Keeping Which her how in the many dark. times has it been proven right. that that's not how this works? I know. I feel like he doesn't always learn from his mistakes and no. it worries me a lot for their relationship. So, and yeah, <sighs> the way he treats her when she comes to the office and he just snaps at her, shuts her down when she's trying to help and tells her to go away. Yeah. That is not cool. Not cool. That does not bode well for the future because I mean, you fight in marriages. Like right. it happens. But you have to do it in a way that is not. It's it's you know. can't just shut the other person down and right. shut them out. Right. Even if it, you know, having a big argument about it is better than not mm-hmm. talking at all. Right. And yeah, he just shuts her down completely. Doesn't trust her. Doesn't let her help. Anyway, really, I found that very problematic, and it left kind of a bad taste in my mouth mm-hmm. about you know in general for this episode. Also, Jack is dumber than a box of rocks about all of this <laughs> yeah. because. First of all, he doesn't figure it out. It takes him like, what, six times catching Hugh sleeping in weird places before he's like, so what's really going on? Right. You know, like he sees him sleeping in the freaking cell mid-morning. And then he's, then Hugh is like, although the, the part where Hugh is barefoot in the street is hysterical. <laughs> that is funny. Um, but then Jack is talking to Dot and Franny like, oh, well, he's upset because... He's, you know, he, his mom threw him out because he's converting and mm-hmm. he didn't get the promotion. And they were like, wait, what? what? Right. Didn't he, so there are two times that he reveals information that Dot yeah. didn't know. Does he find out the first time that she didn't know it? I can't remember. I think he does. Well, but then the second time he's yeah. like, oh, I thought you knew. Right. If she didn't know the first time, like, she probably didn't know the second. Read the room, Jack. I know. Yeah, he's real, real dumb in this one. <laughs> yeah, I wrote in all caps, Jack is obtuse. Yeah. So I, I, I have my standard categories here. Mm-hmm. They're all very slim. Mostly what I have are beeves. <laughs> I mean, it's like the, this bit about <laughs> Hugh and, and Dot, but there's also, um, I got mad at Franny at one point when... It's revealed that Mary, is it Mary? Mm -hmm. Mary is a fugitive who murdered her husband and had the world's biggest birthmark removed with the world's smallest scar. (laughs) That was remarkable. Remarkable Remarkable. by uh, Dr. Harcourt. I guess maybe she benefited from some skin grafts from young boys too, Mm, maybe. I wonder. I don't know. But uh, when, when they confront her about her husband, and she says he was a real bastard. Franny says, you could have left him. And I'm like, come on. Mm-hmm. Could you maybe not? Like, you're supposed to be the biggest feminist in Australia here. Why the hell are you victim blaming a woman in a, an abusive marriage? Totally. Yeah. And I find she does this periodically. Like, she confronts somebody about their homosexuality in a really like, aggressive I way. Just, I just need you to know that I know yeah. that you're gay. Right. And I'm okay with it, but I'm still going to make you <laughs> real uncomfortable and right now. Tell me about your relationship with this woman. Mm-hmm. I need to know. You were closer than friends, weren't you? You like, were lovers, weren't you? very accusatory. Yeah. And it's not cool. It's not cool. And maybe she's doing it because it, like, it turns them into a possible suspect. I don't know, but it's not handled well. And, and this rears its ugly head every once in a while when she's yeah. accusing somebody. And, and yeah, I guess we can't totally really victim can, blaming. Can we expect her to be super woke? I don't know. I don't know. But, but yeah, it happens often enough that I'm like, wait now. Hey, hey wait it's a minute. It's jarring when it happens because her whole character is supposed to be so much. And let more. us not forget that she herself was in an abusive relationship. Yeah. Right. And didn't just walk out on the guy. And she was still scared shitless yeah. when she ran into him years this later. That's a very good point. Yeah. There was no reason for her to say. It was a solid decade later. And that was the only time she was truly terrified. Yep. Not cool. That was not cool. Yeah. Yeah. You could have left him. Yeah. And then uh-huh. he could have killed you. Right. Exactly. That's how that was going to play That's out. That's often how that goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe she's just like poking at Mary to get more information, but I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. And it really, yeah, it makes me angry with yeah, Franny. Yeah, that was my, that was my biggest beef moment, mm-hmm. really. Um, You've got a whole barnyard of beeves. Beeves. Yep, <laughs> got me a whole field of beeves. Um, the other, I have a minor beef. The uh, the creepy funhouse music is like turned up to 11 in this one. Oh, yeah. And it never stops. Is it the same music as the end of season one with Murdoch Foyle? Kind, kind of. of a, it's yeah, like the attitude piano plus the 
weird, I don't know what that jangly string is. Is Mm. it a, some sort of, maybe it's like a hammer dulcimer or something. There's some weird, slightly out of tune, hammered or plucked string instrument that sounds circusy. And it's like, but in this one, it's in, it's in every scene. It's just, it never stops. Yeah. It seems um, like they are trying to sensationalize the deaths of these young men in a way. Like if you put that kind right. of music with it, then... But it doesn't fit. Like yeah. there's nothing... Like it's tragic, obviously, but it's not... When, it, when it's revealed what's happening, that these kids are getting paid for basically medical guinea pig stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, I guess it goes badly that's not it's not that out of the ordinary I guess like I'm trying I'm trying to put this into words like it's not it's not like a like okay Murdoch Foyle is some creepy nut job who has Egyptian crap in the basement and believes he's going to be reincarnated Mm -hmm. that probably gets the creepy funhouse music right this is just some doctor who doesn't get his way and loses his temper and kills a couple of boys yeah which is awful and tragic but it's not like he's a criminal mastermind. Right. He's just it's not horribly abusive and unprofessional. Yeah. Um, should we talk costumes? Sure. I don't have a ton. So the black beaded dress. I love that dress. Yeah. It's beautiful. It is. And the flat sequin, those big over, like oval sequins. This is the one thing I looked up. So oh, I good. knew that there was a word. It's paillette. Woo! It's French for like a large spangle. Basically. Nice. So I've been calling it the paillette dress. Um, I actually brought the costume exhibition guide from season three. And they don't mention paillettes in here. But um, let me find the paillette. I'm writing this down. It's P-A-I-L-L-E-T-T-E-S. Yeah, that'd be my guess. So it's called Smokey. Is the name oh. of this particular outfit? It's really beautiful. It is and and I at first it looks like it's black when she walks in, but it's not. It's like a midnight blue kind of. Oh, interesting! It says um, a smoky mauve silk underslip. Really? Oh, I see that now. Oh yeah, I there can is see. an it's interesting. It's like it's cut on the bias, and it, then yeah, and there's like, like a slit mm-hmm. that you hardly see in this one, and she. Doesn't she wear this in another episode? No. Is this, this the, only, is the one? only one we see it in? I feel like we we hardly we only see that slit like a couple of times because when they're after they've talked to Archie Woods in the hospital, they're walking out onto yeah, the grass. That's when you, and see, then you it. see it. Yep. Yeah. So now yeah, now I remember that it had that other color. Um, the dress is silk chiffon with bugle beads and luminescent discs, aka paillettes. Um, and leave it to the French. Right. But I also love that, I mean, if you look closely at that dress. It's not just the paillettes, but there's these rows of like the bugle beads are in these lines that yeah, are like so subtle. Yeah, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's such a, and it's so simple overall. It kind of recedes into the background, but then when you look closely, there's so much detail in there. Yeah, it's lovely. It, I mean, it clearly communicates she's a woman of means, definitely, and also she came in in the morning wearing this dress. Yeah, and he goes, and are you coming or going? <laughs> yeah. And then she goes back out, which I think probably would have been kind of scandalous. It's a little walk of shamey. A little bit, yeah, yeah. which I kind of love. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm looking at the the top of the bodice, and I think it is asymmetrical. Is it? I noticed in the show that it leans up, like it, go, it, it goes slightly up if you're facing her on her left side. I figured it was just like a, like it had shifted or something that's what i thought too but now i'm looking at the catalog and and it looks on the mannequin it's doing that so i wonder if it's supposed to just be interesting slightly asymmetrical i mean it looks beautiful i mean she's got she has those sculpted shoulders so she can totally wear it like she can wear anything i know i know put the woman in a burlap sack and she'll look fabulous i i I didn't get the entire quote because i i missed the first half of it but when when she says oh i'm not really a uh a what warm tea and Zane Grey type of person, and <laughs> and he replies, "No, you prefer D. H. Lawrence in a bottle of cognac." Yes, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, <sighs> she wasn't tucked up in bed at a reasonable hour. No, but yeah, that um, those lines definitely make their way into a lot of fan fiction. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Um, 
Oh yeah, and then the, the hairpiece she's wearing. Is I the, love that. It's the, from Reddy Gore. It's the, the mercury, silk, the silk feathers. It's like the silver. Yeah, the silk silver, feathers. It looks like silk dupioni. Is that how you say it? it oh, I don't know. It, well, that that's what it looks like to me. It okay. might be something else, but okay. um, they look like they look like silk to me. But yeah, I love the way it's almost like a laurel wreath. Mm-hmm. I think I'm sure it's the same one. I kind of feel like they darkened it slightly, or they gave it a little more color than it had in Ruddy Gore, or added some different colored feathers or something. Maybe because it was, I feel like it was really silver in Ruddy Gore, and it could just be. I'm misremembering. It it seems like purple navy, like Mm -hmm. if it matches the kind of deep lavender of that shift under there. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's I think it's my favorite hair piece of hers. Yeah. I also love her um she doesn't have that many costume changes. I mean, she's got that that the the linen hat with the darts that we've seen a million times. Mm-hmm. But I love her lace blouse that she wears at the cocktail party. Yes. That uh, that she's got that gray scarf under it, but I love the collar or the I guess it's not really a collar, it's more like a hem, like right. a yeah. scalloped hem. Yes. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And I hadn't remembered this one at all. This is the only time we see it this episode. Yeah. And at first I thought it was short. And then later they kind of pull back and you see that it's it goes down to her knees. It's like a it's drapey like culottes almost. Well, or... I mean it's like a drapey coat. Like oh, a, right. Okay. Yeah. Like a really drapey, I don't know. What do you call that? I like don't a, know. But not what, a cardigan, but you know. It, yeah. I mean, what? I don't know what the term for that is. Yeah. Like I somewhere couldn't. between a jacket and a sweater and a blouse. Right. Because it, it has the drape of a blouse. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. looked through this book a couple times to find it and have not. So, which is a bummer because I wanted to know more about that. The yeah, the hem is so interesting. Yeah, um, I was trying to figure out. I think it is lined with just like one row of sequins. I think. Yeah. Does that sound? It does. Sound, it's very thin. It's like one. Yeah, it's not in here. Yeah, but it's brown too, which is sort of unusual mm-hmm. for her because mm-hmm. she it's... usually goes black or jewel tone or. But it's eh, subtle enough that it, it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's really gorgeous. And yep. she wears that giant necklace that's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that huge, I don't even know what you call it. It's like a, uh, it's not even a pendant. It's like, it's, it's huge. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a clock. It's like a dinner plate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it really works with that. Yeah. And I, I think what, what also cheats it away from brown and back towards her signature black is she pairs it with that gray scarf, mm-hmm. that silk scarf. Which I thought at first was part of the dress. I thought it was a collar. Oh, yeah. And the scalloped hem was like the edge of the collar until you see the back view of her and there's a gap between the scarf and like her neck. And yes. The, I'm like, oh, it's a separate piece. Yeah. That's also what the uh, swallow pin gets pinned to. When he gets all handsy. Mm-hmm. He also gets handsy when he notices, when she has the completely absurd bayonet fight. <laughs> with Mr. One-Eye, with no depth perception, but apparently he can beat the crap out of people like yeah. in hand-to-hand combat. He was pretty amazing. And she can, She was too. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> I've got a broom mop. handle. Yeah. yeah, let's sword fight in a hospital with nobody helping, and there's no, like I know. three witnesses. Yeah, they're just standing there. Like, ooh, good job. Yeah. Um, and apparently he rips her scarf, and then when, you know... And he is like all over her. Yeah, I, and that is a very... I like that scene a lot. Hot. It's very hot. Um, and H-A-W-T. okay, so first, first of all, I've watched this many times. The bayonet was too high. Yeah, it neck, was next like, to like her cheek, yeah. not her. It was like closer to her ear, not her than, clavicle. Yes. Although maybe so, that was a different moment. Maybe he just like nicked her when. Sure. Maybe it was the broom handle. Maybe there's a shard uh, from maybe the broom he handle. Her. I'm gonna go with that. Because, yeah, it doesn't work. Otherwise, it did yeah. not happen that way. But whatever. Yeah, he nicked her at some point. But, yeah, she kind of leans her head back a little bit like, to, like, expose wanna, her neck. Do you want to touch it? <laughs> and you can touch does. it. <laughs> and he never comments on her clothes. So for him to say, what happened to your scarf is pretty unusual. Well, it was ripped. Yeah, I mean, it was And he does, like, stare at her for a prolonged moment. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, all, every time I watch this scene, I say very bad words to Dot. I'm like, damn it, Dot, get out of there. <laughs> He was starting to head south. His fingers. They were. That's what fan fiction is for. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, Here, let me rip the rest of this off for you. <laughs> he was, it's he was, already ruined. He was going on an exploratory journey there, and then Dot came in and ruined it. Oh, like Dot. Like she does. Oh, Dot. Dot. And yeah, but Aunt, Aunt P, P is oh, way yeah, worse. Way worse. 
Mr. Butler's had at least once, but whenever. Um, yeah. Oh, and apparently Mr. Butler is a, is an ornithologist on top of an, you know, <laughs> of course he arms, is. small arms expert. Right. Of course. <laughs> Boxing expert. He knows all but the But that things. was so silly. Like, yes, that, you know, Occam's razor would indicate that this feather is from a down pillow. But no, let's go through every species of Australian waterfowl and see if maybe he picked it up in an exotic park somewhere. Like, come on. I know. It was so funny. Come on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh-huh. Nope. Pillow. <sighs> Um, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that we never, we never see that Navy blouse again. The, okay. So the fact that it has an attached scarf that is left untied yeah, is interesting to me. And she's, she wears many silk chiffon blouses I know, with, with atta- scarves, with like, scarves that are left untied. It's almost like a twin set sort of deal. Yeah, like, it kind like of it is. Like it matches exactly. It's like the same fabric as the mm-hmm. blouse. That but seems to be a thing for her. It's left intentionally unlooped, and I think that's really interesting. I wonder if that is. If that is I wonder if that's a period fashion. It must have been detail. But there are a few. Like she has a kind of red and white sort of spotted one that we see sometimes. That that one she often does a very simple, just one loop. Mm-hmm. One a lazy loop. loop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The sort of thing you'd you would correct your child for, for like, you're going to trip on your shoelaces (laughs) if you leave it like that. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe she just can't be bothered. Maybe it's supposed to look like she can't be bothered. It's like the, the, the cultivated messiness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I woke up like this, this old thing, this old thing. I only wear it when I hardly care what I wear. (laughs) Oh yeah. That, uh, Navy blouse is in here. Oh, is it? Yes. Here we go. Oh yeah. Okay. So it's called with the hat even. Yeah. It's with the flax linen. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the little coat. the little darts that are. I do too. I've and always loved those. I yeah. know they're really interesting. They're really a nice little detail. Yeah, because otherwise that hat would be almost plain Jane. It's, yeah, it's pretty plain. But she wears this a lot, which mm-hmm. I appreciate because it is the kind of thing that you would wear oh, a it's lot. Absolutely utilitarian. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't. There's no flower. There's no hat band. There's no yeah. nothing. No, just those little pleats. Mm-hmm. This outfit is called the detective outfit. And um, the blouse is, oh, it's black and white silk chiffon. That's funny. That reads navy to me. Yeah, it reads navy. It read navy to me, too. It still does. And she's wearing it with these wide-cut pants um, that also read navy to me. Yeah. I I wonder if they're the same black trousers that she wears But, you know, that pattern is almost 1930s rather than 20s. Really? um, Yeah, just the really small kind of ditzy pattern that Mm -hmm. you see at, like, it's obviously much more opulent, but it looks like the sort of flower sack um, pattern repeats that you see in the 1930s huh. that were really utilitarian. It also reminds me slightly of Japanese fabric, yeah. like sashiko. Yeah, the, I could um, see that. Yeah, the stitching that you see. Yeah, there's a preciseness to it mm-hmm. that looks sort of And the Japanese. dotted lines is very, mm. the, yeah, it I looks like... I can see that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm rambling. Well... So we have three outfits in this one that we never see again, which is unusual, I think. Dot's wearing her wine-colored dress that I like, her little... Does it have a lace collar? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then it's got the little, like another ditzy pattern, like a very small floral pattern on it. But I I like that she's branching out now into... She actually looks really beautiful in Mm -hmm. that wine color, Mm -hmm, which normally I don't... I'm not a big maroon person, but she looks really good in that color and we're starting to see her wear that more often. Hmm. I think we've seen that dress before or we may see it again. I, it seems familiar to me, but, um, I don't know. I just really like that in her and it deviates a bit from her brown and peach Mm -hmm. (laughs) motif. That's true. There's a couple of, so Dr. Murderer Harcourt, I think, um, has some natty wardrobe stuff. Like at the beginning we see him wearing, that waistcoat that's so matte that I almost think it's velvet. Hmm. Like there's no sheen to it whatsoever. It might be wool, but it looks velvet to me. I never got a good look at it because it's so dark, but I love the tie that he's wearing with it. It's like gold, copper, and silver huh. in wide stripes, and it's very subtle and really beautiful. It looks like something Jack would wear. It's really beautiful. Hmm. Um, and then he also he wears a nice striped like hunter green and pale yellow tie later that's quite nice. Huh. I don't know. That's the, all I got. Yeah. No, I don't remember those at all. And I didn't sounds... take any notes on urchin fashion. I just didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I yes, no notes there. Yeah. Um. So the doctor is interesting because he is clearly pursuing Phryne. Yeah, and, and like, she's like, "Oh, you do catch on, right?" She like, wait, 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 wait. Off. I mean, I think she's just like putting him off as much as she can. He's. I thought he handled it very nicely. Like he's being okay. very clear about his intentions, but he's being respectful. I misread that. I thought she was like, "Oh, call me later. Maybe we'll talk about this later." Cause oh. Hmm. She has made some questionable dude choices in the past. This so. guy is perfectly fine looking. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with him. Yeah. She doesn't know he's a murderer yet. Right. So, yeah, I wonder if... He's if even a doctor. it hadn't gone that direction, would they have had a fling or something? Right. He's very nice looking. Yeah. Yeah, I've got no problems with that, except that, you know... You know, he, he was, just kills people. It's yeah, all like yeah. boys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I liked how they handled him, sort of very carefully pursuing Phryne. Yeah. Our poor um, traumatized war vet with the bayonet. What is, oh, it, what is his geez, name? Archie Woods. The poor guy. I know. He's such an interesting character. I, there is a scene where they lock him up in the cell, and Jack and Mac are just standing there looking at him pityingly. And he looks absolutely betrayed. Yes. I really dislike that scene. Yeah, I don't like that scene either, especially Mac's look. Like, like can you not stare at him like he's an animal in the zoo? It's really patronizing. Yeah. I mean, I can't... Are they sorry that they had to lock him up? Are they just sorry about how it played out? Are they disappointed in, in him? Like, they're all... And, these... like, he doesn't already have a whole lifetime worth of people looking at him like that because of his right. disfigurement. Yeah. Although probably... that mask he wears is effing creepy. Like, uh, with the painted yeah. eye on it that looks amazingly well-rendered. Creepy. It is creepy, but it probably was... It's better State than... the art. It's that... better than the gaping hole oh that is God. actually in oh. his face. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. Didn't need to see that. <laughs> that was some good CGI work right there. I forgot about that part, actually. No, I did, and I'm too. Like, oh, I was like, oh, here right. we go. Oh, right. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm glad that they acknowledged that he would have been in serious pain. And, and he obviously know. has some sort of dissociative behavior, which he, when he attacks Phryne, like, he completely loses control. Like, he's not, he's clearly not himself. He's not just a violent dude. He, what? Is he trying? Is he saying like you can't take me back to jail or something? I can't remember why. I think the outburst. They think they think that he killed the boy, mm-hmm. and I think he thinks that they're going to try to arrest him, or they're questioning him too much, or they're making him relive some moment that yeah. turned out wasn't him. But I think he started going back to some other place, like when he was wounded. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think when he is triggered there, I think he's having a dissociative moment. Not that I know really anything about PTSD, but yeah, I can see that. I mean, it comes out of nowhere and has to do with something that we are not entirely aware of, I think. Right. And they hint at it because he's this, you know, war vet, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like the fact that they're all just standing there watching him, like <laughs> brutally try to murder. Yeah. I mean, whether, whether whether he's in his right mind or not, right. he's the going fact for that it. they didn't just descend upon him and hold him back, yeah, one arm, just disable it, just, just yeah. Like, I mean, Franny is handling it, but still a little help. You guys? need to maybe incapacitate him a little bit, like <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. So um, then they—that's when they lock him up, right? Like after this, right? Episode. Because he he did assault her. He did, yes, kind of try to kill her. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they are staring at him like. Did you have to do this? This hurts me more than it hurts right? you. I mean, that's kind of how it looks. It's kind of how it's it looks. It's a really patronizing. And plus, Mac is supposed scene. to know him well. Like Mac, right. Mac supposedly sees him all the time. So this is why I wonder: is she disappointed in him? Is that part of it? You know, it's, I mean, but it's I very feel like that's parental. the wrong sentiment. It's the wrong sentiment. It's it's it should be like I feel like they failed him. Yeah, because they're supposed to know him really well, but they think because of his past or because he can be triggered, mm-hmm. that that means he can be triggered into... Well, I guess he can be triggered into I, murdering I, people. I guess. I guess he can. Well, I mean, I can see Jack feeling that way. Like, he's looking at it as a case. But Mac has a personal association right. with him and right. should be able to say, eh, I don't think it's this guy. Like, I just don't see this. Yeah. But maybe... I mean, then he does have his outburst. Or just so. the look maybe isn't pity. Maybe the look should be like, we're going to figure this out. Or I know you better than this. Or... yeah. It's, they just stand there forever 
staring at him. Like and a it, freaking animal in the zoo. I know. I really yeah. just like it. Yeah. And it is. It's like mom and dad have just put their teenage you son in his bedroom. just wait till your father gets home. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. dislike that. Yeah. Um, but Archie Woods is an interesting character. And I, I kind of wish, I mean, we, we find out some about him, but he was interesting enough. I would have liked more backstory. There, there are like, there are no shortage of traumatized war vets in this show. True. And, you know, like we have the pacifist from one episode, like the, the six foot eight yeah, right. pacifist. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know. There, there are a lot of war vets. I, but a lot of them are used as kind of window dressing, mm-hmm. I feel like. Or like their experiences from the war color, what they have done now, or I don't know. Which, it, yeah, I'm sure that's true. It but it would have. But could we go a little deeper? Maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know. There's just some impression. Mostly what I have of this are impressions. This feels more superficial to me than mm-hmm. some of the other episodes. Like, um, like these gangs of boys. And the, I like the little touch where they wear a token. Oh, the, my gosh. I love that necklace. Yeah. yeah. I was like, would it be really weird to recreate that? Bottle top boy necklace. That's so funny. I are you in a gang, Mary? Yeah, are you I trying know. to I'm tell me? Cra- I'm in a craft gang. A yeah, craft gang. <laughs> I wear a glue gun around my neck. <laughs> oh, my God. The glue gun girls. <gasps> Chandler. Chandler. That's a thing. And that's a thing now. A club was born. That's the club was born. <laughs> the glue gun girls. That's amazing. Yes. Yes. Love it. I will get on a logo for you right now. Okay. Away. Oh, all please right. do. But it's all very Lord of the Flies. Like these but, like boys on the street. And I, I guess. Wouldn't they, it be like with the age and everybody's just trying to survive. And, P- t- you know, toxic yeah. masculinity. Yep. Mason yeah, they're all trying to prove to themselves. Yeah. Like, I think it would be kind of Lord of the Flies. Man, and boys. Boys. What is with... Oh. I know. I know. Something needs to be done. Uh, good luck. I feel yeah. like it has been this way for uh. millennia. Um, I... Franny's take on it, I, I do like a lot how she goes back to Collingwood. She sees the dire circumstances they're living in still. Which, which still, though, like that scene, I'm like, oh, they borrowed the set dressing from Call the Midwife. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so side note, I went to that alley. Did it have laundry in it? <laughs> no. So that alley is the alley from many, many scenes. Like the drain pipe alley? Yeah. And the... It's drain pipe alley. It's, Do they only um, have one alley in Melbourne? They have a few. <laughs> no, they, they are known for their alleys, their laneways. But probably, but, but probably there's a lot of alleys with like modern stuff in yeah, it that they can't really hide. Yeah, modern. This yeah. is, um, so it's set at the Kensington Wool Sheds which oh. is this giant old complex of warehouses that I assume... It's right off of a train line. Okay. So I think um, it would have been where they, like, haul in boxes of wool that has been sheared from some station out, you yeah. know, yonder, and then they're packaging it. That's that's my well, guess. Well, and this obviously dates back to... Yes. I mean, it's like Pioneer Square in Seattle. If you want yeah. a Victorian alley in Seattle, you have about five to choose from because mm-hmm. most of that stuff is gone. Yeah, it's kind of the same deal. Yeah. And it's a giant, giant complex of two warehouses that are kind of... Uh, there. There's a catwalk between... So the alley is between these two giant warehouses. Yeah. And there are catwalks um, that you can see when they pull back. Is this also where, like in, in the um, movie-making episode? Yes. Yeah. Yes, so, it is. Yeah. Where she, yeah, she drives the car. She gets out of the car when she's wearing, like, the joggers. Right. Yes. It's but I think they, the they do the a good job of kind of dress. I mean, with this one, they just drape a bunch of laundry over it. Right. And it I, works. It's that middle, um, the, the gutter that runs down the middle of the alley. That's that the she tell. climbs up? No, like the, um, what do they call it? Blue stone? I think oh. it's called blue stone. Okay. The, the stone that's used on the ground. Like oh, right. The okay. Yeah. Um, that Is this middle- also the alley in, like, the first episode where she po- poses as a prostitute and... I. I think so. I am not 100% sure on that. Well, because there's lighting. not much to go from. Right. Yeah. So I need I still need to go back and do a comparison. So um It's like forensic alley it science. It is. It's so fun. <laughs> um yeah, there's actually a ton of scenes filmed in and around the Kensington wool sheds. Yeah. And so as I was poking around, I was like, "Oh my gosh, oh, that's from episode Please one. tell me you like climbed up a drain pipe or two." Uh, to- yeah, I can tell you that. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want to get ousted. Yeah. But um Well, speaking of reusing locations, that um hospital morgue is also the same from the first episode with the the 
abortion ring. Oh yeah, where Alice is in the hospital. Yeah, or, okay. and he, and we meet um, Sess and Bert. Hmm. Yeah. I, know. I don't know about the exterior. I don't know, like, because we see the exterior of that building. I don't know if that's the same building or something. It looks like the same building because it's got those skinny um, pillars. Right. But we don't see the exterior in any of the other episodes. I couldn't figure out what building that was. But the interior but courtyard is the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're at Como House. That's where the um, war vet hospital yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all, like, on the grass right. at, the, at the beginning of the when episode. When they trot when out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I know where that is, but yeah, the hospital I'm still not clear on. Yeah. I do. There's some little tiny details that I noted. Like, um, I love the typography on the morgue door. Yes. Like the, the tail on that G that yes. comes down. I was like, mm, nice. Have touch. we seen that before? I don't think we have. Because that jumped out at me and I was it's, like, oh yeah, Chandler's definitely yeah. noticed this. I don't think, I don't think we've seen that okay, before. Okay. I didn't think so either. Yeah. yeah. That G is amazing. Yeah. And then that nice little matchbox that, um, Franny keeps the feather in. That's right. The feather from a pillow, duh. <laughs> Not from some exotic <laughs> waterfowl. Like, oh, he clearly that is. Wandered a, by. He's, he's an avid game hunter. Right. I can tell. Like, come on. <laughs> but it's also, a nice matchbox she keeps it in. Yeah. That pillow was like already coming apart when he grabbed it. To, sm- to smother the kid? It's he, not like, brain surgery, people. Like, but that, I, I mean, why was the pillow in such a terrible state of disrepair and still <sighs> being used? Maybe that was on a pile to be mended because it was like open, the pillow, when he <sighs> grabbed it to smother the kid. So they got to work on their pillows there yeah. at the hospital. Yeah. Anyway, minor detail. Yeah, the matchbox is really nice. Mm-hmm. And I kind of love that there's a feather in it. Like that's the se- the secret hiding I know, place that's for all, this yeah. evidence is yeah. the matchbox. Is that a feather? And then the other, the only other little design detail that I got was um, I loved the little masthead on the Metropolitan Police Bulletin. Oh, I didn't that. Hugh that. crumples up and throws at Dot. <sighs> Not okay. Not okay, Hugh. No. Yeah, that. But and it's a nice, like, nicely designed yes. masthead. He slams the desk too, which is violent, and I don't like it. And anyway, sorry, gotta move on. I voiced my opinion on that whole thing. Um, oh, hey, I see. Oh, and Dot makes a Victoria sandwich. <gasps> That's right. But it's a three-layer oh, Victoria yeah, sandwich, which usually it's just two. Why does Hugh tease that poor hungry kid? Yeah, and he's like, "I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna eat this here cake." And then he's right stare- he's doing like, "Ooh," as he cuts through it. And what? It was what's going on there, and the boy is like, "What the hell, dude?" I know, I know. The boy's not even like, like it's not even going to work. Definitely on the boys. I'm in a street gang, moron. What is your deal? Yeah, that was messed up. Well, maybe Hugh deserves it then when someone throws rotten cabbage at him. Oh yeah, I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, I would help. (laughs) He does deserve rotten cabbage. Yeah, the sandwich, the the Victoria sandwich looked very nice. Mm -hmm. I love she's like, here, have this while I do this other thing. Here, I just baked you a damn cake, and now I'm going to go knit a sweater in one night. Right. It's like, what does he say? Like, I can give you until tomorrow oh, or something. Oh, how generous of you. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. I, there was a movie I saw many, many, many years ago where they, un, uh, they frogged a sweater and mm-hmm. then re-knit it. And it blew my mind. Like, I hadn't even considered that in the olden days, that is what you would do. It is what you would do. But it's more complicated than that, though, because, like, it's not all just one piece of yarn. Like, that would have been multiple balls of yarn. And and I refuse to believe that that sweater would have been that pristine. I mean, that, that sweater would, like, if it was his dad and his dad died before he was born, he said his dad died when he was apparently a fetus. Hmm. So somehow he's been holding on to that sweater for however long this kid has been alive, 12 years, 13 years or whatever. And he's been living on the street the whole time. You know, there would have been moth holes and rat chewings and mm, all kinds of yuck. things. Yeah. And it looks like a brand new sweater when Dot is done with it. Well, when Dot's done with it. I guess, but it's still like... Yeah, it needed to be a little shabbier when it came to her, yeah. I think. Did yeah. It? She probably had to... That's some good wool is all I can say. Yeah. He probably like treated it... I mean, it was probably his pillow. Like it, he, pro- it was his yeah. prized possession. I would imagine. Oh, sure. So. And that's that's also. I mean, I know they would have frogged an old sweater and made a new sweater. But I also, I also wonder if he wouldn't have objected to that because she didn't ask him. Oh. She said, "This isn't your size," and he gets a little defensive, and he's like, "This was my dad's sweater," and she kind of backs off. But huh. then, why would you go ahead and frog it as a surprise? Like, well. It's, I mean, it was like, I thought he would be like, what, what, why did you unravel my dad's sweater? Right. 
I could see that. Even to make a new but one. But it is still the same wool. Like yeah. it's made of the well, same it, it material. Is, but I, so. but I, I can, I just, I can imagine yeah. that kid not making that mental leap and mm-hmm. just being possessive about this one thing that belonged right. to his dad. Did we see that there was a different kind of wool now attached to it? Because obviously she had to extend it if he's grown. So she had to add some wool to it. Well, but but it was already too big for him. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I went the wrong direction with that. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Um, I love that we have gone full on knitting here. <laughs> I'm a knitter. <laughs> yeah, I am too. But yeah, I don't okay. know. I forgot. I feel like there's some knitting big. psychology here that has not been explored. <laughs> Yes. We also have yet another burglary in the bedroom. Oh, right. And it's the kid, it's of the course. It's the kid. And does he just like clumsily get into her bedroom? And he's like, I'm going to sleep on your chaise long. Super and weird. He's covered with a fur we thing. We need to talk about boundaries, kid. No kidding. Um, and then, but I love the bit where she's like pointing the gun at him. And he's like, can I have a go at the gun? She's like, not on your Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There's a little bit of Collinswood gal there. Yep. I don't understand First, why he made such a mess climbing in, and then why didn't pick it up, clean up, kid? And also, yeah, like he's a skilled street urchin. He's was stealing candlesticks for her payment. He would have done a better job. Yeah, he, he knows how to break into I think places. He would have been more precise than they showed. That's that's but street urchin one hundred and one. Yeah. <laughs> Leave no trace. <laughs> he also like the way he's sitting on the chaise. It creeps me out. It's it's um, a little like draw me like one of your French girls, Jack. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I don't like it. Yeah, that whole no <sighs> dislike. But yes, the knot on your Nelly is pretty great. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. And then when at the beginning she's telling Jack to back off and says no kid from Collingwood is going to cooperate with the police. And then he says, it's "Like, haven't they had this conversation like fifteen times already? Well, like, can yeah. you maybe not be the square cop here?" It's very clear that he's not getting anywhere, and that the kids are like clamming up yeah. around him. So the fact that she has to point that out is kind of sad. Yeah, Jack, wake up! But then he says, "Jack is super obtuse in this episode." Yeah, he is. What about the one I'm looking at? Which is a pretty great comeback. Yeah, I love it. Can I go fill you up later? <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay, Carol. I'll extend my But first I'm going to flirt with this doctor who turns out to be right. the murderer. Yeah, I need to watch this again and see what the level of flirtation is Maybe I just read it her. differently. Because I don't know. does she... I can't remember if she flirts back or... I really well, got the I, sense she's fending him off. I got the flirt back vibe when she said, oh, you are catching on. I thought that was the fending off thing. Well... Rather than... Because she's, she's... I, too, m- am completely obtuse. So I could be... Hmm. Totally right. misreading it. I gotta see this again. I all of my things are up in the air in terms of Franny's love life after the Guido episode. <laughs> I'm I'm questioning everything. <laughs> everything. <sighs> I frequently question her taste. Shrapnel guy, butt chin. <laughs> Both of those are totally fine in my book. Ugh, no. no, it's Guido. Like what? What happened there? I anyway. just shrapnel guy. Be like, why would you ever go home with someone? Who hangs out with a freaking fortune teller? I'm sorry. That's just... He's very handsome. Yeah, but he's got a stupid job. Like, seriously, <laughs> you believe this crap? Come on. But maybe it's not for conversation? I mean... I don't know. I just can't. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter how he's no matter very, how beautiful they are, if they're wackadoo, I can't do it. I don't know. I, I'm out. I got nothing. Um, yeah, I just wanted to go back to the Friday thinking back to her Collingwood roots. Okay. And there is a line that she says when she's looking at the room, the morgue full of these dead boys. And she feels bad for them because they, they died too young, but they also lived far too violent, violently right. while they were alive. Like they grew up, they became adults way before their time. Yeah. And so I like that there's like dual mourning there. Like. She's yeah. really sad that they died, but she's also really sad about the lives that they had. Well, to and lead. sad that n- hardly anything has changed. Yes, like this is still happening in the same place that it did thirty years ago for her. Right. Yeah, and I think doesn't she say the more things change, the more they stay the same yeah. when they start down the alley? Yeah. 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 So I don't know. I like that she called that out. And scene. And scene. I, <laughs> yep. Um, got anything else? Uh, that's absolutely everything I've written down and then some. So, um, they toast over lemonade, 
which is that's adorable. I know. I know. Usually it's like the hard stuff Mm -hmm. or the fancy champagne and the little, you know, yeah, they've got lemonade and tumblers. That's adorable. Jack says it takes a brave man to propose to you. Or an enormously foolish one. Yeah, or a very foolish yeah. one. <laughs> Which I kind of wonder if she's warning him. He's taking it from the brave per- perspective, and she's taking it from the foolish. Which I she's think like, remember of... when I told you who I was? Right. Yeah. Remember, I've been saying this for three years I, now. I feel like she's really calling it out for him. Tread yeah. carefully, my dear. Mm-hmm. You could have a lot of fun, or this could end badly. <laughs> but thanks so much for the pin. Yeah. Love it. Heart eyes. Yeah, that the pin scene. It's great. It's really great. That and the and the like uh scarf neck touching scene. It's scarf kind of, neck touching. The kind fond, of the fondleage. The, fond, the neck fondling. Those are my two top scenes in this episode. Yep. So okay. And the bird. I love the bird brooch. I just love it is, that. It is it's, really pretty. Yeah. It's very sweet and sentimental and obviously not I mean it's paste jewelry. It's mm-hmm. all, you know, it's not something opulent that she would normally wear but it just it fits it's like this throwback to who she to her roots to who Mm -hmm. she was and I love that she can turn it on and like she can she can turn on the calling the Collingwood girl when she needs to 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 relate to these boys and I feel like that brooch is like a piece of that yeah and I she also um poses it as though it was just a tale that she told to Jack, so she's not looking for any kind of sympathy from right. him. She's like, yeah, I just told this lie about how my grandmother had given it to me and my dad hawked it. Right, she's very matter-of-fact about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and, and, and But obviously like, there's something in there that means something but to he her. he hears it, and he's yeah. like, no, that actually happened. Yeah. I mean, he puts it so together. he's not as obtuse as we no, think. No, that's true. Good job, that Jack. That was very smart. Yeah. Well done. So he listened, and he found her beautiful swallow pin. Hmm. Anyway, okay, well, uh, do we have a toast? I have to no idea. Kids we once were and the yeah, <laughs> I guess we've become. I, don't, uh. I guess, I mean, there's that, there's that cliche you can take the girl out of the X, but you can't take the X I out of the girl. I would say that about cheese, you can take the girl out of Wisconsin. Oh, buddy. totally. <laughs> but I feel like maybe you don't need to. Maybe that's a good thing. Hmm to hold on to some piece of who we once were because mm-hmm. I think it keeps us grounded. So I don't know how to exactly toast to that, but that feels that feels like the sentiment that I'm trying to get at Okay, here. Yeah. So, oh boy, this not is being, awkward. Not being ashamed of your roots and actually uh, being okay with... Letting it, letting it remain a kernel of who you are now. Yeah, okay. So I guess to all the Collingwood girls out there, hold on to a piece of that. Cheers. Cheers. Paper cups. Clunk. <laughs> <laughs>